everybody to the second, isn't it? Second reset show. Absolutely delighted that you can join us. Um, really good to have you here. Um, so my name is Emma Bridger and I'm a founder of People Lab and we are an experience and engagement consultancy and I won't say any more about that. Um, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host Justin and B. Justin and B, I'll let you introduce yourself. Say hello. Hello, I'm Justin. Um, I'm Resilience Coach. Nice to see you all. Belinda, I am Director of Fathom XP. I'm a design thinking person and facilitator. Thanks guys. And we've got, as always, got Katie, who's helping us with the tech side of things. And I am very excited today to introduce a very special guest. Um, got the wonderful Perry Timms. And I'm going to give Perry a bit of a, a bit of an intro in a minute. Um, but really excited to have Perry with us. And Perry and I go back years. I first met you, Perry, I think when you were at the, the Big Lottery Fund. Yep. So that's quite a long time yep. ago. Um, and our paths have crossed many times over the years and um, got a huge amount of respect and love for the work you do. But I'll give you a proper intro in a sec. Before I do that, a couple of, uh, couple of points. As always, um, we've got the chat facility, so please do ask questions as we go along and, and interact and put your hands up if you want to speak or just, just interrupt us. We love the engagement, we love the interactivity. Um, so for those of you that haven't joined before, um, just a little bit about what this is all about. So um, we, you know, we, we got together and thought about, well, wh where do we go now? What happens next in these crazy times, this COVID pandemic? Um, it's, you know, a very unique situation. It's like nothing any of us have been through before. And being kind of into positive psychology and strength-based approach, you kind of turned it on its head and sort of said, actually, there's a really good opportunity here um to to do things differently and to to figure it out um there's no playbook for this there's no best practice so you know we can really use this opportunity grab this opportunity to think about what kind of work do we want to create what kind of workplaces do we want to create what kind of experiences do we want to design and, and, and facilitate and so we kind of set this up just to bring together this amazing network of like-minded passionate people to kind of talk share collaborate collaborate get involved um on different topics and we're running these every two weeks and the first one was obviously a couple of weeks ago and had a really interesting discussion sparked loads of thoughts i think for all of us um and i think there will be a little bit of a, a tbc off the back of this around getting people together to kind of take some of these ideas forwards and we've got a few ideas about some kind of uh, really new and exciting research programs some round tables and just you know, getting people in a, in a virtual room to kind of really take some of the, the topics we're talking about forwards and really create that playbook for ourselves. So this is what we think it looks like. This is, you know, we're bringing in kind of ideas from lots of different disciplines. So that's kind of where we want to take this. So um, the idea of today is very kind of conversational. It's, um, you know, very interactive. Um, so please do get involved. And the topic for today is all about energy. And managing your energy at work and this is the reason well lots of reasons why we'd invite perry but part of the reason we wanted perry to come along today is um perry's new book is out on the 13th of august is that right perry tomorrow tomorrow yes where's yeah. the month going it's called the energized workplace so you know very fortuitous so i'm going to ask perry in a minute to, to kind of give a bit of an intro about you know what that's all about but um so Perry runs his own consultancy and many of you I'm sure have come across his work. He's really prolific in terms of, you know, um, blogging, very generous with content. Um, and I love, I love what you say about your, your, your business, Perry. It's about uh, uh, creating a better business for a better world. That's fantastic. And it fits with our kind of uh, principle of strength-based positive psychology. Um, you're a you know, well-known speaker. You've done TED Talks, which is amazing. Um, you've written books already. Um, 
Transformational HR was the last book and that was a, a, a top seller on Amazon as well, wasn't it? Um, and again, you're, you know, I know that you're very um, influenced by things like design thinking and those sorts of things as well. So have I given a good, a good intro to you, Perry? Oh my goodness, Amazon. yeah. <laughs> so if I had an agent, you'd be on commission. <laughs> so thanks a lot, yeah. Um, no, it's great to be here. And uh, yeah, I mean, so a book about energy and this topic is uh, obviously a good place to start, isn't it? But um, the story of it goes back to, I think, um, me doing a bit of consulting for a client. And uh, I was working with different teams in HR at different points. I literally turned up one one day in the week and I said, what am I doing today? And she said, go and talk to the ER team. I'd be like, okay. Um, and after a while, I thought, well, this feels all right, but am I, am I delivering value for money here? So I said to the HR director I said look I like it but like what am I actually doing she said look when you come in and work with those teams you help them sort of think through problems and get some action in areas they may want to sort of try something new she said but I can see the energy is lifted in them for at least two or three days and I was like oh so I'm just like an energizer then. She said, well, yeah, of course you are. Now that was the start. I mean, I'd already ordained myself as chief energy officer because people kind of said I'd be, bring the positivity and that really underscored it. But that, that was the beginning of my fascination with why do so many people struggle to get energy from their work and just give energy to their work? Yeah. And that perm permutated into a TEDx talk I did in 2018 because I'd started to do a bit of research on it. And in the talk, I, I had this example of the Matrix where Keanu Reeves' Neo character woke up and realized he was the energy source behind the Matrix. And he was living in a, and he unplugged from it and he came alive. And I thought, that is such a good metaphor for what most people do at work. They plug in, their energy is sucked out into the Matrix, and then they unplug and they're screwed, really, because they've given it all. And then we wonder why we have, you know, 595,000 absences a year based on mental illness health because of stress at work it's just yeah. i called it a crime against humanity and i think it is it's an absenteeism of a duty of care of people that we just deplete their energy and we don't give them anything back that was the whole reason for the book i love it i love it i love the analogy as well Let, let's find out how everyone's energy is today katie's got a poll for us haven't you katie Whoa. so share the poll so let's see how in the heat in the heat today <laughs> Got a few few answers coming in. Yeah. Hey, do you want to share that, Katie? Over to share it. Sure. Okay, so there you go. That's how I'm feeling today. I think doesn't heat helps, does it? It definitely no. yeah, zaps my energy. It's like, oh, you know. Um. But yeah, that that's. I think it's an interesting, interesting start. And Perry, I love that story. If you could um stop sharing the poll, thanks, Katie. Um. And interestingly, it's not something that I am, you know, really expert about this idea of energy at work. Um, and I, as you know, Perry, B and I are just finishing off our book on employee experience at the moment. And I was doing a lot of reading around positive um, energy, uh, positive leadership, and positive energy for the book and came across the work of Kim Cameron, which I'm sure you're very familiar with. And it just resonated straight away. This idea, exactly what you've talked about, um, of how some people really you spend a bit of time with them and you feel really energized it fills you you know fills your battery back up doesn't it and yeah. you're me you're one of those people perry actually i always feel really energized after a conversation with you and um 
you know, really interesting reading his work, and we'll, we'll share the links and what have you after us. One of the things that really struck me was this idea of um, different types of energy, um, so your physical, emotional, psychological, and, and they all get depleted when we kind of practice using them. They get depleted, but the idea of positive energy is something that actually, if you surround yourself, so Kim Cameron in his book talks about creating a positive energy network. If you surround yourself with other energy givers, it increases your energy. So I, I love that idea. Um, Justin, I think you've got some some thoughts on on this topic. Yeah, I do. I, I think the interesting thing about energy is, of course, is, you know, you can, as you were saying, um, uh, Perry, you know, you can plug in and be and be depleted. But the other thing about energy is if you invest it in the right way, it generates more energy, right? So, you know, that's the interesting thing is to look at what are the activities or the, or the people indeed, or the, the areas in your life where you're depleting and you're not getting a sensible return? And what are the areas where you are getting a smart return? And there's some lovely, there's plenty of different ways of, of thinking about that, about that as, as a diagnostic. The model I like is, is a four part model. So you think about your um, emotional energy, your mental energy, your physical energy, and your spiritual energy. And uh, actually, you can take some time and think through each of those categories and make a kind of make an analysis of where are you getting good return and where are you getting not such a good return. And you can make some tweaks on that. You kind of become like an energy broker on behalf of yourself. Um, and people, clearly, as, as, as both of you are saying, as Perry is saying, and Kim was saying as well in his book, is, it are a clear source of you can very quickly identify in your life the people who are mood hoovers, you know, who sap your energy and the people who give you energy. And that's, that's a personal chemistry thing as well. That's not yeah. true for everyone. So it is a per there's a personal aspect to it as well. So Perry, you're, you're, this is like your area of expertise. So how do you define this concept of energy and positive energy? You know, how do you talk mm. about that? It feels quite fluffy, doesn't it? It, it, yeah, the word I often use is ethereal because, you know, it does feel like it's not something you can grab and box. So, I mean, I've looked at quite a number of different sort of factors. So, you know, your stage in maturity of life. I mean, there's something about knowing yourself and understanding when you are at your best versus when you're just pushing against the tide. Yeah. So uh, I talk quite a bit in the book about um, Cal Newport's work on, on deep work, where he talks about the difference we need to adopt for a really complex piece of creative thinking versus just tiny little routine tasks. Now, if I know I'm at my mental optimal best and I'm farting around with emails, I'm angry with myself because I am wasting my really optimal processing. So I just don't do that. I just think, no, I am not going to touch that crap because I've got a really detailed piece of restructuring advice to give and I need to absorb a lot of information I need to synthesize it out I need to be creative on it so there's some of that knowing yourself stuff that I think is really really strong and then talking to Justin's point about um, uh, spiritual energy that's always interested me not adopting any form of orthodox religion but feeling a sense of something right like mother nature or whatever it might be so in the book I um, conscripted somebody who knew a lot more about it than me about things like the chakras 
because mm. I'm not a yoga practitioner. I don't really mm. meditate. I am not that sort of person. Um, and, and yet I needed to know what was going on here. Yeah. And, the, and the story about this tracks back to a PhD student, a Danish guy studying in Bucharest, who was introduced to me, who had access to a Soviet based quantum physics piece of machinery that could measure the quantum energy that human beings emit. And it just blew my wow. mind. Wow. And so literally, quite literally. And the story goes that the Soviet um, developers of this technology used it on their athletes to predict injuries because they would, they would take these little nodes and pin them to your sort of fingertips and they would take a reading from your quantum energy. They would map it to the chakras and they would say, you better stop practicing because you might tear a, a, you know, a calf muscle. And if they ignored the advice and went and tore a calf muscle, the, the, you know, the Russian doctors were like, see, we told you. And so this predictiveness based on an energy we emit is something that, you know, almost conveys uh, all the logic of natural science and destroys it. So I guess there's something in that sort of thing that I wanted to start to tap into to say, we are not as simplistic in terms of motivation and effort as, as yeah. we appear to be. Yeah. We are not all motivated by, you know, uh, moving away from punishment or fear of yeah. letting people down or whatever. We've got this thing within us, this spirituality, and I wanted to unpack that. So again, I, I wouldn't say I've got expertise in it, but I am probably more interested in the sort of rabbit holes I can go down with this now and try and yeah. explore what can we do individually and but more what can we do collectively to design the right systems that optimize our energy yeah no i love that i love that and being um a psychologist so i've got my sciencey side i always like to get the evidence you know it was it was really wonderful actually reading kim cameron's book because he's a professor i think in michigan and you know he talks about studies that he's done you know where he, he demonstrates how they evaluated and measure um net energy givers in in organizations and demonstrated that that they were more creative that they were that had high levels of well-being they they performed higher so there is something going on there so i quite like the fact there's a sort of sciencey base because i think that makes me feel more confident about talking about the concept and using it yeah me too me too and and whereas science may not uh you know conform with things like the chakras um I, I think there's definitely something in the fact that that goes back so far and can be correlated to some of our physical emotional and biological functions that i think you're like well whatever you call it there's something about the map of us in an energy sense that absolutely we could be more cognizant of and use in much more of a, a sort of a nice way mm got a message i think from laura just have a quick look laura uh yes i will put it in the follow-up but it's it's um it's kim cameron he's written a number of books but the one that i was reading was uh positive leadership can't remember the exact name but we'll, we'll share the links anyway but it's, it's a fantastic book and it's really practical as well and um you know i i, I was yeah it really resonated with me and and just i think we can all relate to this can't we this idea it's so obvious in our lives those people that we spend time with and we just feel great afterwards and those people at work that we spend time with just oh I can't do this this is just oh exactly my energy and I was what was interesting to me was um you know he was saying that if you're a net energy giver it doesn't correlate to any of the kind of the big five um called big five of psychology which is uh extroversion openness conscientiousness and i can't remember the two but it doesn't correlate them so this idea that you have to be somehow extroverted and very you know it's not about that you can be very extroverted but not be a great listener and interrupt people um so that was quite an interesting concept as well i'm I'm sure you've got lots of thoughts on that perry 
Yeah, and and do you know what? In the book, I uh, I didn't cover anything about positive psychology, and that was not necessarily deliberate. That was me going into a space where it's like there there is something about the essence of this that I want people to find things like positive psychology rather than I yeah. use it as a backup mechanism or a justifying mechanism or whatever it might be. So really, in 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 the nicest way possible, I wanted people to feel this book more than compute this book, right? And and then go on a trail of computation if that's what they needed to do um, but but you're right about all those factors that we have about personality traits and so again one of the things I'm thinking is when we select people for jobs and work right we often go on those personality traits we never think what's the energy like in this person right and and, and is this work and their energy actually going to align we never ask that question and, and you say well how would you know that question well you put them in a simulation you see how they come to life you see how they bring other people in and what they do to lift certain circumstances so i just think things like interviewing techniques and, and our reliance on psychometrics can be an incredibly narrow field to make Absolutely. decisions like that yeah. on so um yeah i mean you know there, there are people you can probably like name them who would be like on your bench as your energizers yeah, you may yeah. have technical skills that uh, they have technical skills that you don't have but ultimately they're people who lift you mm. it's that kind I, of vibe. I think what was really fascinating for me was yeah, again going back to psychometrics and psychology is that we have got psychometrics for everything and what was interesting with with this concept is you can't fill out a psychometric because you can't evaluate yourself it's not about how you feel about yourself it's about how yeah. others experience being with you and I thought that was really fascinating so it's a very um in some ways it's quite an objective although it's subjective mm. you know it's quite objective because they all say yes you energize me or no you don't you know so thought that was really interesting as well um and I think you know he talks about you know areas around you know after spending time with someone do you feel energized have you got more stamina do you feel more creative do you spark ideas do you have more vitality so those sorts of things so mm. but i don't know if you've got any thoughts on um oh. on this concept we've not, we've not heard from you yet or any questions yeah i've, I've got Harry. two questions two big questions that go in completely different routes and then one one thing to share but the question is on it feels very binary at the moment um it's either you're an energy giver or you're not and i'm, I'm sure that's not the intention so I'm just wondering how binary it is or whether it's more of a scale and also the, the context. I'm thinking about um, a colleague that I work with and actually we worked together face to face for the first time in her garden for six months yesterday. And it was amazing. It was such a lovely experience. We both left absolutely fizzing. And I'm wondering whether that's something to do with the combination of two people rather than all existing in one. So uh, my, my view on that is absolutely it isn't binary and it is contextual. So there are times when either I'm being too energetic and what I'm doing is I'm almost causing a short circuit in somebody else. They're like, well, that's too much, you know, easy tiger type thing. So, you know, th this quite literally is a current that needs to match. So, you know, it's an ACDC thing. It really is that. And so be right. There are situations sometimes when you and I think sometimes we emit something of a need and other people can respond to that without computing that logic and they respond to that need and that's when there's good flow and that's what you experienced yesterday now that might again sound lot like lots of mystical shamanistic type stuff but i think we're more receptive to the energy vibe of people than we give ourselves credit for and that's why i was so interested in unpacking chakras because that's what that talks about i've often had people who, uh, who have been in and around me and then all of a sudden we don't get on and i'm like why don't we get on and some somebody once explained it to me like our vibe 
vibrations were probably never aligned, but we compensated for them by not quite understanding or just having a superficial level of clarity about why we were even connected. And then it became apparent that we didn't have that alignment in the energy vibe. And so therefore nobody did anything wrong. Nobody said anything insulting. The energies just weren't compatible. So it comes back to the point Justin made about chemistry. Now we cannot always ordain or choose that it kind of happens. It's all about our state of being rather than lots and lots of choices. People often say, surely being positive is a choice. Now, I think there is a kind of positive mindset you can adopt. And Emma, you'd agree with this being a pos psych kind of person. And even Justin with resilience, you know, it's like, so do I crumble here or do I stand firm, you know? But I think there are some things where we are acting almost on an omission, uh, not necessarily of our own determination. It it happens and we respond to it. So I think that's where I'd go with that, B. Love it. Thank you. Can I add, I've got another question for you. So I, as Perry, as you know, I'm really interested in organisational culture and do a lot of work. And there's lots of different dimensions and there's lots of labels that people give to culture. But this concept of energy and culture is a really interesting one. And if I think about it, when I hear that label energy applied to organisational culture, it's usually, it's a really high energy culture yeah. that te- can sometimes be shorthand or a euphemism for it's a burnout culture. Yeah. So where... What's the relationship between energy and culture? Mm, Well, I think it's a very strong one because I think, again, people talk about culture, don't they? And I often have the, you know, it's a million conversations and all sorts of other things like that. And it's not an engineered thing. Again, it's a happening thing. And so you're right. And and I deliberately call out burnout incredibly strongly in this book because it's almost like we have so much misaligned energy. That's why we're suffering so much from burnout. OC Tanner did a survey around 20,000 people across the globe, 40 percent of people said look yeah either moderate or severe burnout 40 percent of people said moderate or severe burnout and my kind of aghastness at that was we're supposed to have more technological support we're supposed to have more time for us to be who we want to be yet all we see is this oppressive nature of work so i think that's a combination of culture and design or design that creates a bad culture this is my whole premise this is like we've deliberately but perhaps accidentally created the conditions that are oppressive enough that people are ill just by applying themselves at work and therefore we can undesign that or redesign that to be much more regenerative so you know i do call out kate ray with donor economics as a concept and say look we need a human energy version of donor economics where we don't overshoot we're not using dirty energy to prop us up like caffeine and stimulants but actually we find a regenerative way of, of working and, and again you'll be interested in this sort of cultural dynamic here um, uh, a couple of guys and I keep having to go and get to uh, so uh, David Alberts and Richard Hayes wrote a book called Power to the Edge and it was about command control and influence in the technology age and I have this concept that too much work is done in a cage and not enough is done at the edge and the edge is where you discover the the sort of the boundaries of your culture and what's beyond it where you discover new things to learn new relationships to build instead of being locked in this cage we are quite literally like a pacing polar bear and it's that that i want to see us break out of because i think culturally it's like yeah but that polar bear is safe and it gets fed it's like but it's so under stimulated it's driving itself nuts so so there's something about culture that encourages people to step to the edge that i think is where we can find this regenerative spirit Yeah, I love that. Um, so just, just picking up on that, and I'm going to ask Justin to jump in a sec, but just while I'm on the train of thought, um, 
thinking about culture, thinking about how we deliberately design organisations that help us to be energised. I know you've got some thoughts on that, but um, just really quickly, I was working with a client recently and we were doing some online uh, workshops and um, they were a very traditional client and they were, you know, talking about the kind of application of this to, to COVID and then post-COVID world. How do we use this? How do we re-engineer the way we do things? We've got this opportunity to do exactly what we're talking about. Um, and this individual I was talking to, um, it was basically looking at, you know, how do we work differently in this new world? And we're using appreciative inquiry to take them around the appreciative inquiry so to figure it out for themselves. And uh, one of the managers on the call was saying that he absolutely was fundamentally against home working before COVID. And he completely changed his, his view. And he sort of said, I'm looking now at going back to the office and it feels like we're in a cage. He actually used those words. It feels like we're in a cage. We're in these little cells. Why would we do that? Because even though we're at a desk, why would we go back to that? Um, so I think, you know, and, and it was a really great story to have someone that was so anti do yeah. such a 360. It was yeah. really interesting. But um, mm. what what thoughts have you got on, on how we create cultures? I mean, I know you, you do a four-day working week, don't you? Which is... Yeah. Tell us about that. Okay. All right. So uh, in direct response to the fact that we have no variant in our stimulus, we are all sat in the same space every day at the same screen. We've been operating like that since the middle of March. And bear in mind, we're a dispersed team. There's eight of us across four time zones. So we always knew virtual was going to be a big part of who we are. But when it's completely almost like groundhog scenario, that even, even somebody with this sort of undying spirit that I've got I was looking at myself going I'm exhausted by this and I, and I really struggled to think but but this is enjoyable there's no travel what's going on why are you so it was just purely there was no punctuation to it yeah. so quite deliberately I started to think about how can we create a different energy and so that's why I proposed to the team and they just went for it wellness Wednesday so we are operating on a Monday and a Tuesday on Wednesday we do whatever's good for the soul and then on Thursday and Friday, we're back on again. And a few people said, God, that's interesting. Why didn't you just create, you know, a three-day weekend? I'm like, I don't know about you, but every time I have a long weekend, I feel like I'm having to run uphill to get going again. So I wanted a punctuation, almost like a rhythm where it's two full on, but not exhausting days, then a punctuation and then two more um, uh, on days. And, and it's only been four weeks, but I'm, I'm telling you now, I love Thursdays now because I am so on my game on a Thursday. Brilliant. Thursday was the biggest struggle for me. Right. Yeah. That's really interesting. And we're going to share a load of resources afterwards. There's like a lot of research into this whole idea of the, the, the four-day working week and how we kind of get to a certain point and we plateau. Um, and it, I find it real challenge because like many business owners, I work crazy hours and I'm like, I just can't get it all done. But it's something I'm really challenging mm. myself. But Justin, I know you've got some questions, I think, or you want to ask anyone else who's got questions? Uh, <clears throat> yes. So we've, you'll see Katie's made a note in the group chat. If anyone's got questions for Perry, please fire them in the chat. Um, because you'll have me and Emma and B next time, but you, you won't have the joy of, of Perry. Uh, oh boy, you know, this is like, my, the top of my head's lifted off. There's so many different um, things I want to talk to you more about and find out um, more about and, and, and connectors. Um, but I suppose to add to the flow of the conversation, this point we're at where we're talking about how organizations can support the individual. This is a real, it, it was a bugbear of mine and now it's becoming a passion, which is, which is good energy, I suppose. It's because yeah. it's fueling me rather than draining me. Yeah. And it's changing slowly. So for years, I would have endless meetings with 
businesses saying, you know, our people aren't, res aren't resilient. They need to be more resilient. And I'd go, okay, you know, so then we'd have a conversation. And I'd, I'd, I'd look at the working practices and I'm going, but the, the people aren't the problem. What you're expecting them to do is the problem. Are you crazy? And I'd be kind of going, don't bring me in for three hours. I tell you what, just give them a meal voucher and let them go out and have a nice time for an hour or something. This is absolutely insane. And I think I'm, I'm pleased, I'm heartened that this is an, an emerging field where we're, we're stopping to just apply theory onto humans yeah. and, and kind of treat them as if, treat us as if we're robots. It's not that straightforward. And yes, if we manage to take personal accountability for, for managing our own energy better and we, we're given the tools to understand how we can do that. If you're working with an organization or people or individuals who also understand that, well, there you go. I mean, I imagine you've seen examples. Well, you are talking about an example of it right now. You're a four-day week. You're going, I, I know, I can quantify the effect that has had. This isn't, you know, airy-fairy. This is, you could probably do analysis on the quality of your work output or, you know, however you wanted to measure that. And you, it would be, you know, it would be there for everyone to see. So I'm really interested, and this is partly why I'm drawn to this work that we're doing together uh, with Emma and Belinda and yourself, is that this is where the R areas overlap. And this is what gives us energy. We have these conversations and all three of our interests overlap. Uh, and so I leave these conversations feeling even more energized. Um, right. So, you know, yeah. So I'm going yeah. to stop because there's a question there. Yeah, I saw that. While you're getting that question up, uh, we had a meeting this week as a team where we, we know exactly how we're going to measure this in terms of optimal level of performance, how people feel and so on. We also said, yeah, but our position beforehand, don't we need that? to then do a compare and contrast but you know what we weren't that good at measuring how optimal we are because we were all fucking exhausted yeah. so we, you know what i mean quite literally we didn't pay any attention to it yeah. so therefore we're going to say right there's a red line now let's look at what the, the outcomes look like and don't worry too much about the comparison before because why would you compare something that was really ugly and messy with something you've now got lots of really good information on so that's how we're going to measure it brilliant be really interesting to hear more about that, Perry. Actually, when you when you get to yeah. that, get you back on, you can tell us how you do oh, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Because of course, that's that's the things that you know business leaders and you know the yeah. chief financial officers are going to want to know, aren't they? And there is a body of evidence out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can make the moral or the ethical argument, but there is also, of course, a business argument out there to say that you know yeah. it, it does overlap. Actually, of yeah. course, it does. Yeah. The question there, um, Perry, is about. Yeah. It's from Debbie, who's, who's saying, uh, apart from it being lovely to see you again, is saying um, whether positive energy can be taught, and in particular, are we talking about how can we can we upskill managers right. to be more to be better at that? Yeah, so I mean, I think there are some, uh, I suppose you'd say, sort of mindsets and ways of being where it could be pretty difficult to teach people it. But I think I've always thought that if you can demonstrate to people their version of it, that they haven't quite activated, they're more likely to be able to do that. So not like copy me, but like what's your version of when you're on fire and all that kind of stuff. And just bring that to front of mind. I think that's an individual thing you can do. And that's coaching and dialogue, I think, and all those kind of things. Now, in respect of can you teach managers this stuff? Well, yes, you can. And I'll tell you why. Because they're operating an oppressive system right now 
So get them to work with their teams to build one that's the complete flipping opposite, that unleashes creativity, that helps people step into spaces they've always wanted to. There is no need to have a secret key to this. It is literally just talk to your people, ask them what, what gets them going and what gets in the way, start to redesign together, try it out. If it flops, adapt it and do it differently. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a DT thing. I'm sure B's kind of going, yay, empathy led and all that. And it absolutely is that. Um, now they'll need some courage as a manager to draw a little ring around themselves so they don't get infiltrated by other people saying, you're mad, you're nuts, stop doing that. They'll need to create a little vacuum so that they can work it out for themselves. But I'm telling you now, and I've seen it, some teams, when they do that, can outperform so much. The other people who operate nearby think, what the hell are they on? How did they get to that position? And then they get envious and they want to replicate it and do their own version. So I think you can absolutely teach it because this is all about systems and the interplay of people and the systems, their relationships with each other. I mean, self-management's got such a lot to offer here because it just creates agency and accountability at an individual level. But you don't even have to do that. You can have traditional hierarchical management, but who opens up the conversation to like, how do we feel about what we do? Can we redesign it so that we're all more optimal and pleased and supportive of each other? And we pay so little attention to that. It's unreal. I don't know why it's not obvious to people, but I think they feel embarrassed or ill-equipped to do it. I'm saying there is no rule book for this, just a dialogic approach with good design principles, experiments and evidence, and off you go. Yeah, yeah I think you can see how something like appreciative inquiry would be a great framework oh, to have yeah. a conversation. Um, we'll share some anyone who doesn't know about it don't be put off by the name we'll share some um tools on that it's a really great tool if you've not come across it. it's a strength-based conversation that enables people to have different conversations because <coughs> often in in organizations we you know we always focus on what, what's broken what needs fixing we very rarely say well what does good look like and how can we get more of it so i think that would fit really well as you were speaking perry i mean i, I go back to because i am a psychologist in the room um, apologies for that but i go back to you know, there's quite a few different concepts and ideas that I think you can overlay on this. And I think, you know, the word of short, work of Sean Aker, happiness advantage, yep. you know, he talks about, you know, when we experience positive emotion, um, we have a, a rush of dopamine in our brain, which makes us feel great, but also switches on all the learning centers and makes us more creative, um, just better at everything. And I think, you know, I, and I'm, I'm hypothesizing here, but I, I would imagine that when you're with people that you get a positive energy from, you have positive emotions. So I think there's a really solid emotion linked to kind of the theory of positive emotion there. And I think going back to, can you teach it? You know, I always come back to, to the work of Sean Aker and lots of positive psychologists around. Absolutely. You can teach yourself to rewire your brain to scan for the positive rather than the negative. And there's a heap of research that proves this can be done. Um, you know, something as simple as gratitudes, you know, um, you, you know, we can teach ourselves to, to, to notice different things, you know, we can, we can absolutely do that. And it's a great body of research that kind of backs it up. So well, we'll share some of this afterwards. Um, but getting towards time, and what I'm really interested in is, is how we take this forward, because I'm really excited by this conversation, Perry. I think it's, I just sparked so many ideas, I'm sure many of us are, and I'm thinking, We've got this opportunity with, with Reset. We've got the opportunity, many of us, to work with organisations or in organisations to do things differently. Where do we start? How do we start to, 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 to bring some of this thinking in and what do we do and where, where do we take it, I guess? Those, those, that's what's buzzing around my head at the moment. And I saw Justin's hand up. Was he, yeah. Um, so um, before we move to the what next, which is obviously the, where we need to finish off, there was another question in the... Uh, in the chat, which interestingly, uh, you were talking about other things you can overlay, 
And the question is, um, are you seen the question, Perry? Have you? Yeah, yeah about yeah. emotional intelligence. <clears throat> yeah. So, so I think I think we 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 use every data point we can that has an impact on what we know about ourselves and the systems we're operating in, in order to make better choices about how we optimize our energy and design it and capitalize on it and so on. And emotional intelligence is absolutely one of them because. If you haven't got the self-awareness to know how de you know degrading you can be to somebody by the way you behave in terms of their energy just disappearing, then that's a bad place to start with. So yes, there's a lot of education from um, EQ-based stuff, and you know I can remember finding out my own kind of EQ tendencies and actually being both. Um, happy with some of them and then really like shocked about others which is like really i do that shit i'm not i'm not aware of that so a bit of jahari window blind spot stuff was coming in um i think i think the great thing that emotional intelligence gives you is the chance to think about yourself in a in a way that you can describe with good synthesis that other people can attach to and go ah now you've said that about you now let me tell you about my perspective on you and then you have this almost like correlating conversation or this slightly different position and then you realize what it's all about it's like i've just got my own lens on it now i i i deserve to think about how other people are thinking about this so i know about my impacts on people and and i think that does talk to some of the resilience too because it's dead easy if you're pretty good at bouncing back to go why aren't they bouncing back it's like you don't know what's going on in their inner energy source at all so you have no part to play in judgment your best port of call there is to say if you need something i'm here if you want to talk i'm here and just leave them to make their choices and be emotionally intelligent enough to know when to nudge that and step back or, or whatever it might be so e eq big part of this i think mm. Yeah, I'd agree with that as well. This, you know, the science of EQ, the self-awareness, the, the, the developing positive relationships piece of it, you know, the self-regulation absolutely yeah. plays into this. Yeah, yeah, I can see how that, that theory would underpin this really nicely if mm. you were trying to sell it in. Mm. To, and I, I can imagine this is the sort of stuff you might have to Trojan horse into organisation. A little bit. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So going to your question about what do we do next and yeah. how do we do it, right? I mean, I'll just tell you a story that perhaps gives people hope on this. So I go into an organisation. It's incredibly technical. People are super, super expert in their field. They were funded by government grant and now they had to stand on their own and create their own revenue. So they had to get more enterprise minded, but they were all ex kind of civil servant types and what have you, right? So there was a real conflict there in terms of people haven't got either the ability or the energy to do this, except they did because they recruited people deliberately to develop products and a commercial mindset. But what was happening is the two energies were clashing. The people in the leading positions were the ex-civil servants who didn't know how to manage the enterprise. And the enterprise people felt choked by the civil servants, but needed them to create the networks and the facilities and the channels, right? So we quite literally drew the organization out and we said, where are people's energy? Where are the decision points? And where are the clashes? And we then took all of those and remodeled them. Now, I'm not just saying this because it's a convenient end to the story, but about four months, it was the shortest consulting gig I ever did, by the way. I bid it, I put in for eight days, I only did three because they ran away and ran with it and I didn't need me anymore. So I like I, I, I didn't create the revenue I should have done on that one, perhaps. But the result, within weeks, perhaps not even, but definitely months, they were a completely rejuvenated organization because everybody was in the place where their energy was best and, and even at the time i didn't realize it but when i bumped into the um, hr and od director about a year and a half afterwards and she told me what it was up to now i, I was almost like wow this stuff really does work yeah 
So I think one of the things we can do is we can think about trying to map our organization, not based on competence or experience, but about where are people's energies commensurate with the work that needs to be done, not just what work they're currently doing. Yeah. And that links also to the whole kind of field of strength base. So play to your oh. strength. Because if you play to your strength, you're, you're energized. Totally. The minute you've got to do stuff that isn't a natural strength, it zaps your energy. And I think, so that's really exciting. How can we create and design organizations where people play to their energy and strengths yeah. and you know, i've kind of got you know imagining a sort of a, a network map of, of different kind of energy points energy gives exactly. to different people that's yeah. really exciting and i think we're, we're pretty much at time but um okay. on, on that note I'll, I'll just do a little bit of roundup in a sec but on that note I, i'd love to sort of take this forward of people that are interested by building a positive energy network of like-minded people who want yeah. to get together and say where do we take this how do we help organizations to do this you know what what's What's the way forward? It's really, really exciting, um, you know, exciting idea. And I think it's really interesting to hear from yourself, Perry, who's one of the experts, leading experts in this, this whole area. And you've got some great stories. So thank you so much for joining us. I feel really energized by, I must, I started the call feeling like, I'm really hot. I had yeah. that much last night. And, and already I feel genuinely, I feel really, I can feel myself sitting up high. I feel genuinely energized. So thank you so much. Thank you. Really Anything final from, from um, my wonderful co-hosts before we say goodbye? Well, very briefly for me, just to say, um, we are thinking about this, aren't we, Emma and, and Belinda, about actually, when we say creating this thing, this is actually something we're thinking about. How do we create? So we're aware that we have this 45 minutes and there's quite a lot. Of, it is a show. So there's quite a lot of download from us, but I'm looking at 16 other people who will have expertise and questions and experience and thoughts and how do we capture all of your input as well so this is a question out to everyone who has hasn't been able to contribute um because we've been talking too much um how do we carry this forward we would we, we have, we're, we're developing ideas on that so we'd really appreciate input from everyone who's been on this call and the previous call uh, and Perry as well, thoughts from you on, on yeah. what else do we do? This is 45 minutes, but there's so much more to be done with this topic. Yeah. Just, just to add to that, Justin, um, anybody that signed up via Eventbrite will get a copy of the recording, um, which I'll send to you by email. So please feel free, just respond to my email with any thoughts, any questions. We'd love to chat with any of you. Um, there'll be extra reading and resources as well. So we can definitely keep this conversation alive. Yeah, so what we do is a, a nice follow-up with all the links to the different books and papers we've talked about, just trying to make it easy for you so it's all in one place. Um, so we'll send that out afterwards. Be anything from you before we say goodbye? No, just, yeah, hot and, hot and energised, love it. I think one thing, that a really practical thing that people could do after this is invite people to the next one. I think, um, you know, community and organisation and movement is great when we bring more people in, so bring in your high-energy folk. Um, we'd love to have them join us next time too. Definitely. Love it. Let's create our positive energy network here. Yeah. And so thank you, Perry, so much. It's always great to speak to you. I always enjoy oh, our conversations. Thanks. You always energise me. Good luck with the book. I should be buying it tomorrow. Can't wait to read it. And I, I'm sure we'll catch up soon. So thanks so much, Perry. And thanks for the chance. Lovely to see you all. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much. Do it energetically. <laughs> Bye. 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 See ya.